Hello and welcome to the Longball Premier League preview show. I'm John Townsend. I'm Brandon Wallace. Ollie's out and Ryan Nick's in. The Gunners crash back down to earth. And can Joe Linton and Menteke score in the same weekend again? Times are getting very weird, so let's talk about it and start the show. And to start off this week, we are privileged to have Brendan Wallace join us and to talk about Crystal Palace's rise this season. As we were talking about before the show, as well as during the previous show, if you haven't listened to that, scroll all the way back down and listen to the Crystal Palace uh, season preview, as quite a lot of our takes have probably aged horribly, because the Eagles are flying high. They are one of the most fun teams to watch, because for me, I don't get a lot of joy from watching Liverpool, watching a city, watch like watching the top clubs. I get most of my joy from watching the around middle mid-table clubs who play fun, exciting football, the Brentfords of the world. This season, the Crystal Palaces of the world. And last weekend, Benteke scored a brace. This is, hasn't been in Benteke's bag the past couple of seasons. Although last season, I believe he did still get 10 goals. He's been a very sh- shoddy striker. It's a good thing you guys brought in Edouard because I think long-term he's brilliant. But Benteke's scoring goals... Can you describe the impact Vieira has had at the club in such a short period of time? Yeah, he's rejuvenated pretty much everyone from from day one. Obviously, nobody noticed that until his first game. And thankfully, uh, the media didn't pick up on that. But there's definitely a buzz around. We're unbeaten at home. One of the few clubs in the world, really, that are unbeaten at home this year. The only teams we've lost to are are Chelsea and Liverpool and even even those games we were still uh, definitely on the front foot for, for large periods of time and there's not even talk of, of Zaha leaving so everyone must be happy for once. Yeah, it's like the first season in what, three, four years where Zaha, there's no rumours at all. He's happy at Selhurst Park which must be a thrill yeah, to yeah. all the fans. Yeah, he's... He, he was obviously a, a boyhood Arsenal fan, and now he's got his one of his uh, idols that he would have been growing up watching as his manager. So I'm sure that's that's uh, buttered him up a lot. And talking about another, I believe London boy, I think he was born in London. Colin Gallagher has been incredible this season for Crystal Palace. But I knew he was all right in a dog shed West Brom team last season, but. <laughs> His emergence has been has been incredible. And the point I was thinking of is how important is it for a club like Crystal Palace to show players across, across the country, even across the world, but specifically in England, that you can be a great player at Crystal Palace and get Guest Southgate's attention to get into the England squad? Yeah, he's firstly, he's had... Probably the best start to a season I've seen at Palace out of any player in my lifetime, quite comfortably. Um, there is no doubt that he will play regularly for England. I'd probably go to say, I'd probably go to say he's more talented than Zaha, which is nice because we used to just get carried by Zaha all the time. And we we have we have that relationship with Chelsea where we always seem to take one player every year on loan and they hopefully we don't just give him back this time and he goes on to play for them but if we want him it'll be uh, at least 40 million I'm sure and that I'll put a, a large dent in the, in the summer transfer budget um 
but yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly nice to see Gallagher and, and multiple other uh, young young English players getting into the team. It's just, uh, just a shame he loves to pick loads of right-backs and not Wan-Bissaka. <laughs> yeah, just imagining this team with Wan-Bissaka, I'm, I, don't, yeah. I don't want to do it. That's... I'm as you know, fan. I'm very happy with Juan Basaka. It's a little weird at times because he's so challenged offensively, but what he brings defensively, like in mm. as a comparison to American football, he's like a shutdown corner. Like he just shuts down one side of the pitch. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, like being a, being a top club, where you have to go go against some incredible attackers. Having a shutdown wing back like like uh, like Juan Basaka is so crucial for United. But back uh, back to Crystal Palace and Conor Gallagher. Are you confident that uh, Crystal Palace can make that signature permanent this summer? Or if they don't, are you confident in the front office to go to go out in the transfer market and find a replacement? It's a tough question because he every every Palace fan knows that Gallagher is easily good enough for for Chelsea. They're like not even a contest. He's 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 dragged our whole team along at many times this season. Arguably one of the best box-to-box midfielders in the world, not just the Premier League. Um, but it's Chelsea. We, we paid 20 million for Gwei, who had only played in the championship. So Gallagher will be at least double that, especially by the time the summer comes around. Um, and he'll well, I suspect he'll be off to the World Cup um next winter as well. So we spent 50 million plus this summer. We're expanding the stadium, which is expensive um, next summer or winter. So I don't think the budget's going to be that big, but I think I think I think we will try to if we if we can spend the whole budget on him, I think we would do that um, over signing five players, for example. But it's just whether Chelsea Chelsea are down to do it or not. Um, but this summer we did get Will Hughes, who's yet to make his debut somehow. But I think he's he's one of the either a, a James MacArthur or Conor Gallagher long term replacement as Gallagher's going back to Chelsea and MacArthur's almost in his fifties. So it's funny. I never even knew you guys signed Will Hughes. I just searched it up now. Wow. Uh, how has he not made his debut yet? I, actually, I quite like him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He played. He, he get Luka Milivojevic and Kiate play over him, and they've both got the technical ability of a ten-year-old. So I don't know. I have no idea how he hasn't made this. He might make his debut this weekend. Honestly, uh, with us expected to be on the front foot, it's definitely one to watch. Um, but I think actually uh, Conor Gallagher could be gettable for you guys because if you look at Chelsea's midfield it's jam-packed with players with Conte, Jorginho, yeah. Kovacic, Saul they just bought mm-hmm. in last summer they still have Ruben Loftus-Cheek I they are playing him which is good if, for <laughs> England fans but I really worry that they might have ruined him since they have kind of left him on the bench for the past two years to box <laughs> but they have a ton of players right now with Chelsea so if they can move some of the old guys maybe they might look to bring Conor Gallagher back but yeah. I think he's actually it's it's attainable for Palace to sign him long term this summer. Yeah. Well, 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 one of the the things we can hold on to is that England, when England play, there are two people in the middle, both players like a defensive midfielder. So 
if Conor Gallagher plays there, he's not going to shine. We, everyone knows he's good going going forward and winning the ball on the front foot. So you, you, you probably won't shine under Gareth Southgate, but that's that's a good thing for us anyway. Um, and then because because less people mm-hmm. see him, obviously, it looks less good to everyone else who watches England rather than not everyone watches Palace every week. Um, and then at Chelsea. They don't. They don't really use a box to box midfielder either. So they've got you know they've got Jorginho, Saul, Kante, etc. None of them are going up and down all game for ninety minutes. Yeah, definitely. Um, maybe even if they can uh, extend the loan to you guys next season with option to buy, hopefully that'll be it. Um, but with with an amazing summer, if you look down at the transfers. Every single one hits, like with with Edouard, Anderson, Olise, Guehi, Gallagher. None of them are none, none of them are flopped, which is impressive in you know in football <laughs> today. With that level of uh, player quality coming in, how much longer do you think it will take before finishing a Conference League spot, or even dare I say Europa League, is no longer really a pipe dream? Well, Conference League, uh, I could still say potentially this year, but. The thing is, if we've conceded so many goals right at the end, which have, have denied us wins, and even just two of them, uh, you've got the the Brighton one, which is like 94th minute or something like that, the Arsenal one, which was 96th minute. Um, those are both games that we deserve to win as well, which made it more annoying. Um, I think if we won both those games, I think we'd already be around fifth anyway. Uh which would be handy. But yeah, as soon, as soon as we can convert the draws into wins, it should be okay. And I think I think that will happen over time. The 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 one the one game that has worried me all season is is Burnley, which was on the weekend. Um our defence has been rock solid every game. And then we played Burnley and they just launch it into the box at every given opportunity and yeah our, our defence weren't so acclimatised to that um, we we got away with that one they, they missed a one and one in the last minute as well which was a heart in mouth moment uh, and I think I think we've conceded the the third the third least um, XG in the league from open play I think the only better ones is Chelsea and City and I think we've conceded nine goals from set pieces so um, I don't think we've really conceded many from open play at all so if we can just sort out the set piece defending I think mm-hmm. pretty pretty set uh, just look at look at the Man City game for example I was pretty comfortable even when they had 11 men going to that weekend I remember I picked I picked a draw but I remember saying on the podcast that I wouldn't be surprised if Palace somehow managed to get a win out of this, I wasn't expecting a or to finish 2 0. Like you said, I wasn't yeah. expecting City not to score, period. But yeah. when, that, when that game was happening, I just had a smile ear to ear. <laughs> like that was, <laughs> it, anytime City get embarrassed, I just feel with so, mm-hmm. I, I feel with so much pride. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's, we, we thrive against the teams that, that like to attack for sure this year. Uh, which is the only teams we really sort of struggle against uh, are uh, the more defensive teams that that use set pieces and stuff like that. Well, looking at uh, Aston Villa last weekend, 
they were definitely one of those more defensive teams, although the defense has been really shaky this season. Yeah. But Villa in the first game under Steven Gerrard, they had his primary focus going in was to focus on fixing the defense, getting it rock solid, worry about the attack later, looking at the, the, the attacking talent on his team. I don't blame him. That will work out fine in the future. But first match, let's get a clean sheet. They, Villa only had 38% of possession against Brighton last weekend. Although they beat them on uh, on XG, the underlying stats in the match kind of showed that they could have been lucky to escape with a, with a 2 0 win. But did you uh, watch the last uh, match last weekend uh, with Aston Villa? I believe it could have been at the same time as the Burnley match, so I don't know. Uh, I was on a uh, a stream that that it, well, I saw parts of the Aston Villa match. I saw little periods of it. It was a pretty <laughs> a pretty dull match, um, but yeah, like you said, they just hang on hang hang on in there under under Steven Gerrard, and and that paid off for them because they got two late goals. So, uh, yeah, he yeah, got they, a clean sheet straight away. Villa did a great job at kind of preventing those those breaks from happening for, for Brighton. They didn't have many clear-cut opportunities. And as a new manager going in, like we were, we were, all, we were all looking at that lineup and that system that was, on, that was there under Dean Smith. And when Jared came in, the first thing that he needed to fix was the defense. So did a, did a good job last weekend, but going up against the Eagles this weekend, it's, I think it's going to be a bit more of a tougher, uh, tougher matchup. Moving on yeah. to the next game, though, Newcastle at Arsenal. Also had a bit of a sobering match against Liverpool last weekend. Let's face it, getting smashed 4-0 is not ideal. And yeah. I can kind of look at this two ways, where they were coming in on a high. I think they went something like seven matches unbeaten. Like Arteta was on it for, for Arsenal. And going up against Liverpool, if you had a look at that match before the season, going, how do you how do you think that this is going to turn out? I don't know any Arsenal fans that said that they were probably would have won that. And they didn't. I wouldn't kind of chuck everything out because if you look at the goals, the first one came in at the around 40th minute marks and then they just opened the floodgates in the second half. The fact that they kind of beat them to a standstill for the first 40 minutes and then kind of fell apart later on, I wouldn't be as mad at that. It wasn't just a domination throughout. They Arsenal didn't have many chances on, on attack, but kind of feels like you, you probably won't get this reference but it kind of feels like a double a player going up to the majors and like just throwing out bat one off at bat it's like he's not ready yet he needs a couple more reps against against competition around their level right now arsenal is not at liverpool's level but moving forward to uh to the newcastle match how do you think that they're gonna fare against a team more at the level in newcastle uh well first off it's it's at the emirates so uh that gives Arsenal the upper hand straight away. They they love a one 0 win at the Emirates or a two 0 win, um, but Newcastle are a bit of an unknown. Obviously, they haven't. Well, Eddie Howe hasn't even attended a match yet because he had he had COVID. I don't know. Is he attending this one? Do you know? I'm pretty sure he is. Um, unless he's not vaccinated, I think he should be. He should be there. I can't. Remember. He had COVID for the last match. So mm-hmm. I don't know if he is. So Jason Tindall took over. And not too hopeful for Newcastle, honestly, this year. Uh, Eddie Howe's going to make it more exciting, but their their defence is what need work, and, and you're not going to get any defensive work from Eddie Howe. Um, 
they, yeah, I, I, I just can't. As much of a joke club as Arsenal are, I can't see them losing to Newcastle yet with the state of their defence. Well, to play devil's advocate there, I actually quite, quite like Eddie Howe. I understand his defensive metrics are, are poor. However, I'd also say that a lot of that is skewed by his last season with Bournemouth. And keeping in mind how long he was there at Bournemouth, no ma- no manager lasts forever. If you look at Arsene Wenger of all people, he went unbeaten <laughs> with Arsenal and ended up getting sacked with Arsene out. If you stay at a club long enough, you kind of stagnate. So I don't really blame Ed- that performance with Eddie Howe in those last year that much on him, more just... <laughs> It's Bournemouth. Sooner or later, the, the clock was going to strike midnight on them. They were going to get relegated. And looking at looking at what he managed to accomplish at Bournemouth over his tenure, giving him a project like Newcastle, where it's you got a blank sheet of paper, you can take one, two, three of these guys as a long term plan. The rest you can just scrap. I back him to do well at Newcastle if they if they stay up, which I think they will over the course of the season. But for a first game, one what a what an impact! Yeah. Joe Linton scored. <laughs> he had a, one of the most hilarious bloopers I've ever seen in my life. It's in the second half where they got on a break. Allen Max Man was on the ball. His dribbling ability is incredible, by the way. But he was on the yeah. ball, passed it to Joe Linton. He tried to cut back on his left foot and slipped, and the ball just got turned over in the penalty box. It was an amazing blooper. But before that, he did manage to bag a goal, and. They they looked decent. They did they did concede uh, a, one goal, maybe even the, the second goal as well, on a cross to the far side of the post. And that stuff is just tactical. It's going to come with time, going to come with more practice. And provided they can finish out the month, maybe pick up a win or two, at least at least a couple draws. I think that that put them in good position for a January spending spree. Because they're going to need to bring in some improvements on the fence in order to stay up. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. They they were they were a lot more exciting uh, against Brentford, but just the, the the player quality is so poor. Apart from the attack, is so poor. Every, all everywhere, even even holding midfielder and, and their wing backs and the whole defence stinks absolutely the fact ripped. that John Joe Shelby is still a reliable starter at, at this point yeah. in time is hilarious at, at one of the one of the bigger clubs in the Premier League as well yeah Voldemort's uh, still it, at it <laughs> yeah I it wouldn't surprise me if if they go down this year but I they would they would definitely come back up and I, if they went down Eddie Howe would not leave no way so so you think even if, even if he gets sacked, they're still back and how? Yeah, even if they go down, they'll still back out. They'll still come back up because I hope. they they wouldn't have just they wouldn't have just sacked Bruce for no reason. They sacked Bruce for the identity that that he gave the club. I don't know. I I think I think no matter what, when the club changed ownership, because the reason why Bruce was there at the first place is because he's the cheapest manager in the Premier League, and Mike Ashley likes his money. So I think that's the only reason why Bruce was there in the first place. And as soon as new management came in, they recognized the fans hate Bruce. We got to get Brucey out of here. And they looked at the options, saw Eddie Howe, thought, you know, he's a de- decent appointment. He has a bit of a vision. If he can stay up, let's keep it going. But with new management backing that much money, I, especially who's new to football, I don't know 100% if they'll back them if they get relegated they could be looking at it as we have all this money 
if he gets relegated, sack him, bring in someone who can get us to the championship, sack him, get get a new manager in. <laughs> like just be looking at it as like a roundabout yeah. pretty much. Who, who who do you think would go down over Newcastle then, apart from Norwich, because they're always nailed on? Oh God, Norwich! They right before the uh, the season, we had someone on back in Norwich, and <laughs> I, I I bought into it a bit. I thought, you know, maybe they can pull something. Oh God, no! Bye bye, Norwich. Bye. So Norwich is down. I think Burnley could be in the mix. Watford could be in the mix. I'm not in love with Southampton. I yeah. I, I don't know. Looking at that, I think I don't know. Something fishy there. They they just do enough every year. Yeah. Leads if injury, if injury hell continues, maybe, but I would still back Bielsa to get out of that. There's quite yeah. a lot of poor clubs in the Premier League right now that could conceivably go down. So it's not yeah. out of the realm of possibility, but this could be interesting to see how uh, as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's going to take us to halftime. And the game we're going to be playing this week is called Phone Book. Phone book is a game where the point of it is to figure out this mystery player who connects the four players I'm going to mention. Um, the player could have played with them on loan uh, at, their, at their club, as well as on international duty. If any time the panel, or in this case this week, Brennan, is stumped, you have one lifeline. We're going to be naming three mystery players. You have one lifeline to pick whichever time you'll need it, and I'll give you an extra clue as to who this player could be. Do you understand? Yeah. Let's get started. The first four players I'm going to mention are Mamadou Sako, Michi Bachawai, Jack Relish, and Nathaniel Klein. Where's your head going when I say those names? What links are you forming? Um, well, I'd say Div- Divock Origi's played with some of them. Um He's played with with Klein, Batshuayi, Sacco, and not Grealish. Um, he played with Batshuayi on international duty, then the other two at Liverpool. Uh, Grealish, that's the bit. That's the bit that's messing with me. With Grealish, you got England, you got Villa, and you got City. Yeah. Yeah, so it might be it. We haven't really had any players from Villa before. Ben Benteke, Benteke. It might, but who who are the players again? Sacco, Mamadou Sacco, Michi Batshuayi, Jack Relish, Daniel Klein. You going Benteke? You are correct. It is Christian Benteke. So the next mystery player, or the next four players, I'm not going to tell you the mystery player, it's your job to guess that, is <laughs> Mesut Ozil, Thomas Delaney, Nico Schultz, and Thomas Muller. That's Mesut Ozil, Thomas Delaney, mm-hmm. Nico Schultz, Thomas Muller. Thomas Delaney, Thomas Muller, Nico Schultz, and who's the, and Ozil, did you say? Mesut Ozil, Thomas Delaney, Nico Schultz, Thomas Muller. Hummels. You guessing Hummels? Hummels has played with all of those. Wait, 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 wait. Has Hummels been at Dortmund when 
when Delaney and Schultz were there. I believe <sighs> I I believe actually that would work. That would work out. That would be an acceptable answer. And you know, I'll give it to you. <laughs> it wasn't the answer <laughs> I was going for, but you're right. He would have played with all those guys because would have played yeah. at Nico Schultz at international as well. Yeah. The guy I was going for was was, was Serge <laughs> Nabry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not even from the same team. <laughs> not from the same team, but the links work. I can't argue with it. <laughs> like yeah. I say, oh no, it's not the guy I was thinking of. Anyway, when did, when did Serge Nabry play with Delaney? At Werder Bremen, he was there for one year. Oh yeah, yeah. And I threw that in just to kind of kind of screw with you there, but. Uh, you stiffed it in and managed to get bag another mm. one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on uh, for the next player, we have Julian Speroni. I'm sure you're very well familiar with him. Craig Bellamy, Paul Scholes, <laughs> Aaron Wambasaka. He's played with Aaron Wambasaka. Yeah, Julian we're going Spurney all Craig. over, multiple errors. Oh my. <laughs> Who's barely anyone's played with Wan Bissaka? That's the thing. Well, shouldn't that then narrow it down? Yeah, it, it should. <laughs> but they've also played with Paul Skulls. So it's got to be the United player, does it? Has to be someone played. Oh, international. Um, Jeez. Who was the fourth player? Wambasaka Skulls. We got Julian Speroni, Craig Bellamy, Paul Skulls, Aaron Wambasaka. I knew Bellamy was going to be one to just do you. Fraser Campbell. Fraser Camp, wow! Fraser, I've not heard his played, name in a while. <laughs> he's played with. Has he played with. He's played with all of them, hasn't he? He's played. He's played with. Juan Bissaka, Skulls. Um, who were the other two? <laughs> Speroni. He's definitely played with Speroni. And the fourth was Bellamy. Did he play with Bellamy at Cardiff? <laughs> Who would Fraser Campbell have played with Wambasaka? Uh well when when Fraser Campbell was at Palace, so 14, 15, 15, 16, Wambasaka was in our under 23s. <laughs> under 23s don't count. <laughs> Does now. Uh Craig Bellamy, that is such a strange one. You do Throw have a in. hint. Yeah. I'll, I'll think for 30 seconds more and then come back to you on that. It's because it's, it's some... Van Bissak is a brand new player. Skulls and Bellamy are history. The, player, the players played for Palace, that's for sure, if Baroni's in there. Unless it's a... You figure, yeah. Yes, because it's, it's not Rojo or Di Maria or anything like that. Um, is it just it's just Zaha, isn't it? Is it literally just that simple? It's just Zaha, yeah. It's just Zaha, it is Zaha. Wilfred Zaha is the answer. I, I didn't think you would you would do one with Zaha, but really, yeah, 
You prove me. I thought that would be too easy, but I glossed it's, over the ones. It's, that it's so too easy. difficult. It's so difficult to find the skill level I have to do these at because the first couple of weeks I thought I made them easy, but they were really yeah. hard. So <laughs> yeah, so I have played with Bellamy at Cardiff. Yep. Uh, Skulls at United. Wambasaka and Sproni at Palace. Yes, you're right. <laughs> the hint was going to be he switches uh, uh, he represented England in his youth before switching his allegiances to another country because <laughs> <laughs> oh god we could have really used him there for like before this golden era came out like the 2015 area yeah. we could have really used him I've no idea the, the, the weird thing about it is Hodgson was was the England manager um, and didn't ref- refuse to pick Zaha who was Quite, quite clearly one of the better players in the league you know like to, to keep a whole team up in the league by yourself is quite a task and he refused to pick him and then Hodgson comes in as our manager and picks Zaha every single game no matter if he's injured or not like that, that makes move, me even yeah. more makes me even more suspicious about the England teams like national team selection whether it's something fishy about that the thing that drives me mad, because I've kind of realized over the past couple of weeks to a month, I feel like I'm more of an England fan than I am a Manchester United fan. Like I, <laughs> I'm more invested in England player development than I am like Manchester United. Maybe just because Manchester United is a shit show right now and England's <laughs> not, which is amazing to say. Um, but I'm more invested in that. And something that drives me nuts is if you have a player who can go to another to another country, can switch his allegiances to another country, get him a cap. Get him a cap and lock him in there. Like, why is Juan Basaka not earned the England cap yet in a meaningless qualification match? All right. there's, there's, there's many players like that. I, was, I, I don't understand it either. Like Zaha is like, so Zaha, um, well, he was another one, but Juan Basaka is like 24, I want to say. He doesn't get picked for, uh, before like the next World Cup. He's going to switch to Congo. Like, yeah. And sure. again, having a guy like him at the international level where you have so many great dominant wingers from other teams is so valuable yeah. to have. Just to throw him off for the last 20 minutes, you go, oh yeah, sick, yeah. sick Messi. Sick, sick Neymar. <laughs> Just go after him. Yeah. We, we, even we, we have quite a few youngsters at the moment that just give give them a competitive cap, and and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't understand why they do that either. Because we've got quite a few players right now who can who can change to a African or French. Yeah, uh, nation. Like, thing happened with with Laporte over the summer, where where uh, mm. Champs was like, "Oh, I'm, I was so offended that he switches." You weren't giving him a cap. He was one of the best centre backs yeah. in the world, and you weren't, and you you uh, you were refusing him. It makes no sense. Yeah. Um, anyway, moving on to Manchester United for some happy news. Right before this, uh, we started recording, Ralph Ragnick has been announced as the interim manager for Manchester United. It's going to be a six-month deal to the end of the season and with a, a power position at the end of it. I'm assuming it's like a director of football spot, if not that, like a board member or some decision-making power in the club. I'm over the moon about this right now, but... Admittedly, I don't follow Bundesliga nearly as much as Brendan over here. So, Brendan, what are your thoughts of Ralph Ragnick as the next interim manager of Manchester United? Yeah, well, as someone who who despises Man United, it's, I don't like it because 
it gives it gives them a tactical direction which they probably haven't had in ages. Um, <laughs> it's a shame for them that it's only for six months. Yeah, it'll be nice to see them press on the front foot. That's what he typically does, at least the classic Gagan press. Um, yeah, I just I just think it's a bit that it's it's like it's in it's in the right direction for Man United, but it's only for six months is what puzzles me. Um, and Ralph Ragnick, so only well since since two thousand eleven, he's only ever had had roles at teams for one season maximum, which again doesn't doesn't provide a a sense of, of long term security. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess we'll just see how the players cope with pressing uh, until until the end of the season. And then is there a chance you could keep him on, do you think, as, as a manager? Or do you think no chance? I think no chance. Because if you look at his comments and stuff in recent years, like I believe last January when they were, when Chelsea were looking for a manager, he turned down Chelsea saying, like, yeah, I'm not into yeah. a manager. I'm not going to be there for five months and leave. And then he's going to be there for six months and could be leaving um but i think that what he's been after is i'll take a managerial spot for a small period of time to learn the club to learn the players to understand kind of what moves need to be made and then i'll step into a board position i'll step into a director football position to make the changes he sees fit and I'm absolutely fine with that. If he only wants to manage for X amount of time and then bring in someone who he feels like can execute that vision, I'm looking at his experience and what he's done in German football. I'm fine with giving him the keys to the kingdom and saying, whatever you say goes, (laughs) sure. Um, What I'm actually fascinated for is how his 4-2-2 matches this Manchester United squad. Do you think that Mm -hmm. it's transferable to the current players that they have that he's going to have at his disposal uh well you've obviously got massive issues in 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 defensive midfield um then he like well mark goldbridge on twitter i don't know if it, you know who he is he's always yeah. banging on about mcfred every 10 minutes <laughs> thing is with it you've got Hiring a high pressing manager, and you've got Ronaldo Martial, who, in my well, Martial especially is a bit lazy, in my opinion. And Ronaldo doesn't enjoy doing that, that's for sure. Uh, so it, it'll be an interesting blend. There's no doubt about that. You, you, I, I like, I like your fullbacks. I, I think they're really good. Um, so I, I think, I think they can, they can cover for. For the defensive midfielders being a bit a bit bad in terms of the width, but yeah, <laughs> I'm not I'm not sold on it yet. But I, I do think it, I do think it'll be an improvement on on Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. I'm just I'm just worried for you in the, in the summer because I don't see who you're going to hire that's going to then not cause a lot more change in in the in the style you play. Um, and, I think your only hope in the summer anyway might be to go for someone who's already at a club rather than someone who leaves. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking the plan in the summer is to get Pochettino. I think Pochettino is most likely going to move on from PSG considering although they're winning right now, all Paris fans 
hates Poch. Just do not agree with his philosophy at all. And this is a Pochettino is a guy who loves pressing, who loves high intensity, high work rates pressing. Although it's two different formations, it's the same general philosophy. And I'm thinking that Rangnick's going to be looking at Poch in the summer. If not him, Eric Ten Hag, I'm sure, could be available. If we can manage to get Graham Potter from Brighton, I love that. Um, even as like the fourth bet, Brennan Rogers, I take that, but. Yeah. I, I, I'm hoping we don't go for Zidane because that's another guy coming in who's a great man motivator who can definitely take a squad that's struggling and motivate them to get something, to achieve something better. But I feel like in order to do that, there needs to already be a set, set instructions tactically at the club. And right now United is a blank slate. There is no plan <laughs> at all. It is purely something that's actually kind of infuriated me. How is Ronaldo controlling the locker room this fast? He's been there a few <laughs> months. And instead of Carrick taking Ronaldo out of the lineup and, and bringing him off the bench in the match, he brings Bruno off the bench. Bruno, a guy who has brought actual hope and optimism to United over the past couple of seasons. Nope, he's the problem. We've got to bring him, him off the bench. Stop Ronaldo off the bench. Have him come on to torch defenses. Going, yeah, Ronaldo, if you don't like running for 90 minutes, let's see you go all out for 30. If he goes all out for 30, <laughs> we have be the insane. best super sub <laughs> in the league. And just looking at, at the team, especially if we're going to be playing uh, Ralph, Ralph Ragnarok's, you know, pressing Gurgen Press, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Juan Basaka could do for that United <laughs> squad because. If the if they're playing the four two two two, hopefully they have Van uh, uh, Van der Beek in there as well in the midfield. Because again, like Goldberg says, I am tired of McFred. I don't honestly, I don't know who's best to pair with Van der Beek, whether that's Fred or McTominay. I'm kind of tired of McTominay, so I'm hoping it's Fred. Um, but I, I think that there are definite pieces in this United squad that work out. I'm a big Sancho fan. I I don't know how he's going to function in the system, and I'm. Do you have an idea actually of how Jaden Sancho is going to be functioning in this new system? Yeah, well, I think I think it'll be more uh, more favorable to him compared to Solskjaer at least because I don't know if you can be less. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, yes. Uh, when you when you're you know, Sancho thrives when when you're on the front foot all the time or fast play. When when he was at Dortmund, he scored so many goals in, in a relatively similar system. So I guess I, I think he'll he'll if they play for triple two, he'll just get deployed um in one of the wide attacking midfielder roles. And yeah, just hope it works better than, than Solskjaer. Otherwise, that's a lot of money down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm backing him. I'm very pleased they're higher. Um, but looking forward to uh, Chelsea because I wouldn't imagine Ragnick sort of come in and immediately go, yeah, we're all pressing, we're all going crazy. I'm sure this could be a gradual improvement. Yeah. So I'd assume that probably Michael Kirk's uh, could be in charge for the Chelsea match. And Looking forward at that, Chelsea have been really impressive all season long, showing their incredible depth because Lukaku's been out for like a month and they're still top of the league. 
by, I want to say, three points, maybe. Uh, yeah. Top of the league by three points. And just they look, they look in, in control of everything right now. D and Max Allegri actually went on record to say he believes Chelsea performed better without Lukaku in the lineup. Do you agree with that? Do you disagree? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't think I agree or disagree. They obviously they're getting they're getting Werner back for uh, the weekend as well, which uh, probably strikes more fears. Havertz has been up front and hasn't really contributed much, to be honest. But the whole Chelsea system is is a is a team effort rather than individuals. So I don't think. I think if they didn't have Lukaku all season, they'd still win the Premier League. And I think they'll they'll win it with Lukaku. I honestly don't think it would make a difference. They have so many players who get deployed in, in any role and they'll still do the job just as well as someone else. Um, you can look at Chalaba, for example, at centre-back. <laughs> Looks like one of the better, better defenders in the league as soon as he's thrown into this system. So I don't think it's a problem at all, with or without. Yeah. It's amazing Chalaba's emergence, like because now he's a guy who's has he has he been capped by England yet? I forgot if he was in um, the uh, qualifiers. He hasn't, no? he hasn't been capped yet. Well, that's a guy looking like, at next World Cup for potential England centre backs. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely someone to look at. He needs to put on a bit more muscle because he he looks very <laughs> slim. Every single time I see it, I'm like, oh, who's that kid? But <laughs> yeah, with in terms of Lukaku. I think they're a better side with him because just by having his presence, it kind of makes the defense shit the pants to look at him mm. and go, yeah. we have to we have to figure out a way to defend him. And then all of a sudden intention goes away from the from Havertz, goes away from from Werner, from Mount, from all these other options that Chelsea has. Whereas when he's out of the lineup, team of Werner is very hit or miss. Havertz <laughs> is very good, but when he's not the striker, he's great as a advanced playmaker if you will if you're looking at football manager he he's great kind of sitting in behind picking passes to wingers uh, to strikers and having a shot at net every now and again um yeah same uh, same with mount as well to that to, I'm, to that I'm, yeah I, lukaku's definitely one of the top five strikers in football i love lukaku he's probably my favorite or second favorite striker in the world but Chelsea's such a like a solid foundation that I genuinely don't think it would matter with or without him. And um sorry, I forgot what I was gonna say all of a sudden. Oh yeah, Havertz. Um when he was at Bayer Leverkusen, the thing the thing I don't understand is he was at Bayer Leverkusen, he would fill in um up front when they were having striker difficulties, which was the case for many years. Uh and he would he would pop up with quite a lot of goals or or headed goals and at Chelsea that doesn't happen but Chelsea will still score lots of goals even though he's not doing it up front so I don't even think it's a problem with Havertz necessarily I just think it, that's just Chelsea. Hmm. He took all sent him into a well-oiled machine. Um, I picked them as well to win the league title before the season. At this yeah. present time, are they your pick as well, or, or are you? Or yeah, are you easily. At, uh, not, not even close. I, I think, I think Chelsea will win it relatively comfortably, probably by three to nine points in that sort of range. They're just there's, in my opinion, I don't think in the world right now there's there's a better working team than Chelsea. 
because uh, you know Liverpool have and, and Man City definitely have their off days uh, in the Premier League. Um, Man United, Arsenal, Spurs—they're just all joke clubs. And then um, I guess Bayern are the only other real competitors mm-hmm. that I even see close to Chelsea. Barcelona, laughing stock, and Real Madrid. There, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Not yep. even that impressive. It seems to be just like PSG if they get their shit together. Bayern, no questions asked. Yeah. Chelsea, City, Liverpool are healthy. It feels like that's yeah. that's the elite right now. And then you got Barcelona, Real Madrid. It's like the rest. Yeah, um, I, I I don't understand how how PSG can have that front line and still not really be doing that successfully. It's I think it's crazy. I think it's just a matter of everyone knows the front line's not pressing, and everyone knows the talent that PSG have and the pressure that Poch will have to have to play his front three. Even though the front three don't work terribly well if they're facing a good side, what would be amazing if they can play Messi in behind as like a kind of central attacking mid, because he's already moment all the way, all over the pitch, kind of who cares where you put him, have a hardworking winger on either side. If you want to move name over to the right, move through that or whatever, hardworking winger along that, or even a hardworking striker and putting uh, Mbappe out wide. One of those having, um, uh, just a gay and another hardworking midfielder in behind that and just getting up finding ways to implement as much pressing as you can having three players who aren't going to press at all and it's yeah. it's tough it's tough figuring out that formation yeah I, I think it's also just such a toxic environment as well at, at PSG there's always stories coming about out, out about players and I think Tuchel said today or the other day yep. he said when he was there, he was managing the players, their friends, and their families, which doesn't even sound doesn't sound wrong at all. And you can see that that probably is a massive problem at PSG, judging by the fact that he's gone to Chelsea with who had probably a worse first eleven than PSG, maybe not a worse squad, and then won the Champions League straight away. Well, now let's move on to stoppage time, and Brennan's going to be going first. Now, Brennan, you can pick whichever team you think is going to win or if it's going to end up in a draw. We're going to be going through all the matches this weekend and you can be giving your predictions. Are you ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Newcastle at Arsenal? Arsenal. Southampton at Liverpool? Liverpool. Wolves at Norwich? Draw. Aston Villa at Crystal Palace? Palace. Leeds at Brighton. Draw. Everton at Brentford. Uh, Brentford. West Ham at Man City. City. Watford at Leicester City. Watford. Spurs at Burnley. At Burnley. Spurs. United at Chelsea. Chelsea. And time, 43 seconds, but I'll admit I was right behind for a couple of those. <laughs> and do you have a list of the games in front of you? Uh, yeah. You ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Arsenal, Newcastle. Arsenal. Liverpool, Southampton. 
Liverpool. Norwich Wolves. Draw. Palace Villa. Palace. Brighton Leeds. Brighton. Brentford Everton. Brentford. Man City West Ham. Draw. Leicester Watford. Leicester. Burnley vs Tottenham. Burnley. And Chelsea United. <laughs> uh, let's go Chelsea. <laughs> was, that, was that the 32nd time you had on? Yeah. Oh, it was as I was just at the, the end. Time. I don't know if you are getting a phone call or something. <laughs> no, I, I was the time it kind of. Oh, well, just managed to sneak in at the end. I'm gonna, I'm gonna still claim that because I was laughing. Yeah, you, but... can, you can take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Brennan. We'd like to take a moment and uh, plug if you have anything coming up, or let the listeners know where to find you. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at twenty eight oh one Brandon. And thank you for having me on. No problem. It was great, great to have you on. It's been meaning to do it for the past couple of weeks, but it's just been incredibly busy with everything. Um, and listeners can find me on Twitter, Twitter and Instagram at John Townsend ninety nine. And that's going to do it for this show. Keep your eye on the Mastermind Site podcast feed for the review show after this weekend's games. Since next week, there's a ton of games midweek. We'll be back on Monday to preview the Merseyside Derby, Arsenal at United, and all the other games. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five star rating as it really helps grow the show. Thank you for listening. Yeah.